Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Do you need heavy equipment or farm equipment? Look no further than Southern Equipment and Parts in Laurel. We have a wide selection of new and used equipment from many top brands. We also offer parts, service, and rentals. Whether you're a contractor, farmer, or just need help around the house, we have what you need. Southern Equipment is your one-stop shop for all farm and heavy equipment. Visit us at 5237 Highway 84 West and southernequipparts.com or call 601-651-4555. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, welcome back to the Super Talk Eagle Hour, the week after Christmas, the last week of the year. We're glad you're with us. We're broadcasting from the Southern Bank Course Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Bob and Kelly in Hattiesburg. Jeremy Graves joining us uh, this afternoon in the studio. Luke in Laurel in the Southern Bank Course Studio. Dickie's Barbecue Pit sponsors this segment of the show, as they do every day. Glad to say they're going to be with us again in the new year. We uh, love those guys a lot. Hope that you'll uh, keep Dickie's in mind uh, the next time you have a catering event. Still probably not too late if you're going to do something for New Year's Eve, other than what I do, which is go to bed like every night at about 1030. Uh, They'll cater your event, and uh, we guarantee you that uh, it will be a good one. So, uh Merry Christmas to you guys. I hope everybody had a good Christmas, Kelly. I've seen how much food yeah. I have eaten the past two or three days. You notice days. he got on a new shirt, uh, Jeremy, a new Christmas shirt, kind of purple. Looks like a gigantic plum. It fits oh, yeah. in well. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't fit me well, Jeremy. But it's, You know, Kelly was actually like a background singer for the California Raisins back in the what, 80s. Yeah, was he? It kind of looks like a very ripe plum. To well, it, and it doesn't. <laughs> Fit me like it should, Jeremy, but it's as big as they come. So, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Jeremy was here the day, Luke, that uh, Kelly came in during the World Cup wearing the American flag shirt, and we asked him if he had stolen it from the giant flag up at Petro Nissan, <laughs> and he didn't really give us an answer, so it led us to believe that maybe he did. Well, that would be that would be theft, which I could be arrested, so I was not going to incriminate you know, associated myself. associated with that. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Luke? Good Christmas? Great Christmas. Uh, ate like boiled shrimp all weekend and felt like, I mean, I, I really felt like I had 25% of the 12 days of Christmas. When it being on Sunday, Friday night, we went out and, and looked at a bunch of lights. Saturday, we were with Lawrence family. Sunday, I uh, had service and then went and spent the rest of the day with my parents. So it was like three days of Christmas. I loved it. Good. It's good. Yeah, Friday night was the first night that I was lit for three straight days. So kind of, kind of similar. <laughs> not at all in any way shape form or fashion or, or my christmas either let me throw yeah, that in not there. even close. nothing like my christmas and jeremy i'm sure yours are the same with three children oh, that is correct you, you yeah, we had, yeah we had a great christmas putting things christmas. together at two yeah. o'clock I in the morning on christmas I, I didn't have any uh putting together to do oh, uh, our, our kids are clothes and electronics and all that even even the four-year-old he got a new ipad so he was oh yeah, wow yeah. okay I do want you to know I got a really nice drone for Christmas, and I will be, as soon as I learn to fly it, I will be flying it over your house on occasion just to 
kind of get a view from above of exactly what it is you do back on the patio. Oh well, we're going to have to we're going to have to make that tint darker on, on, on the window the there. Out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Enough of that. Uh, basketball eleven and two uh, heads uh, into conference play this week Thursday night Troy at seven p.m. Troy I did a little research guys Troy's eight and five they've got a win over Florida State then Saturday the Golden Eagles hope host Appalachian State at two o'clock they're seven and six they have a win over Louisville and a one point loss to Wake Forest so uh, uh, let's start with you Kelly I, I, my my curiosity is this. I think the best three teams the Golden Eagles have played, UNLV, Liberty, Northwestern State. How do these teams that are they're about to start playing, and then four on the road at Louisiana, Monroe, Marshall, and Arkansas State, how good are these teams compared to the best three teams the Golden Eagles have played? Well, first of all, you talked about you talked about one of them beating Louisville. Would you guys have ever thought that you would ever see Louisville Cardinals, the proud basketball program that it is, Oh and ten. Are they really? Louisville has not won a game. Actually, now they're two and eleven. Ah, okay. okay. Well, they must have won a couple of. Uh, but they are three hundred and forty fourth in the net ranking. That's hard to believe. Yeah, the proud Louisville program. So, but going back to what you were saying, Bob, I think that. But and and we haven't gotten to talk about the UNLV game a little bit later on in the program, Coach. Isaiah Carson is scheduled to join us here, assistant basketball coach. But when they went out to UNLV, they turned it over 25 times. All right. The, the Eagles did. And Felipe Hase didn't get any points at all. The Eagles led at half and, you know, battled almost, almost, you know, won that game out at UNLV. Obviously not their best effort with the turnovers and so on. So I say all that to say we joked when Coach Cardona, Juan Cardona, was talking about this Eagle team competing for the conference championship, I think that's going to be something legitimately to watch. I think this Golden Eagle basketball team, if it plays like it's capable of doing, can win the Sun Belt conference title. Luke, you agree with that? I would, yeah, I would put Liberty in there. Uh, they're they're actually seventy fourth in net right now. Um, UNLV's in the in the high fifties. So the the win at Liberty in some ways is a more impressive than the win at Vanderbilt. And if you look back at the metrics, we mentioned this a few weeks back, Liberty had only lost like four games at home in the last, you know, five, four, four years or so, I believe. So, yeah, I, I would put Vanderbilt up there. They're at 145 in the net. I think Northwestern State's like around 160. But but to, to what Kelly said um, about the UNLV game, Hase not only didn't score in the second half, he didn't score in the first half. We got in foul trouble really early, and we were still winning at halftime. What three guys fouled out, Luke, for Southern Miss? I'll have to I'll have to look at it at this game book, but but yeah, the um, for for Crowley got in foul trouble early, and uh, and then as well as 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 a few more guys, I'll have to I'll look it up and tell you in a minute. But yeah, for for us. To be up at halftime, to turn the ball over 25 times, and to steal, what was it? You know, uh, we, the game started falling away late. We were all texting each other. What four four minutes to go is kind of when when it was uh, when when they broke away. But I mean, you play it's it's your worst turnover, uh, you know, game of of the season, and you still lose by yeah. nine. So now, I think that gives us hope. Now, Jeremy, one thing I observed was how they double teamed Hase every time he touched the ball. There are two guys on him. You think other teams are not paying attention to that? You think we're going to see a lot more of that? They're starting to figure it out. Yeah. Trying to figure it but, out. But 
But back to that. But but Pinkney had 23 in that game. Yeah, he's having a great. He had a double double. 23 at 13 rebounds. Hase was the only person to foul out in that game. But uh, Crowley and Mo Arnold both had four. Kelly, that's why. Okay, I was I was thinking, and and you know I was I was thinking that they fouled out you know as well. And, and let don't take anything away from UNLV. Very. Very good basketball. Oh yeah, they'd only lost one game. Um, they were second or third in the country. So the twenty-five turnovers is an anomaly on the season. But they were like second or third in the country with forced turnovers per game. So this is a team that, with all that guard play on offense, they cause a lot of turnovers on defense. All right. So Troy Thursday night, seven o'clock. App State two o'clock Saturday. Troy, like I said, eight and five win over Florida State. Not going to be easy. I don't think there's going to be any easy conference game. No, but I think whereas last year you'd think, well, if the Eagles can get out of conference play with four wins, you know, that that's <laughs> you've accomplished something. Not with this team now. It's amazing just what a difference one year makes. Now you're thinking of hopefully winning four games in the conference, which they didn't do, by the way, um, to a team that could potentially win it. You start at home. All right, because you never get a second chance to make a first impression. Your first two at home. If there's one regret you have about the first two being at home, it's that school's out of session, right? So the the students, you would not expect to be there in the numbers that they should be. But other than that, there should be no reason why uh, this team won't start uh, gathering ahead of steam fan-wise. And after you get those first two, you got four in a row on the road. On the road. At Louisiana, at Monroe, at Marshall, at Archie State. And I think the UNLV atmosphere – um, and travel is going to help this team because what did we see on the road? And this has this this was, did not determine the game. But Eagles were driving, getting hacked, weren't getting you know hardly any calls. That's going to help this team, you know, as as they hit this four game road stretch in a couple weeks to to play mentally tough on the road because that's what happens some nights in the other team's gym. I mean, it's just that's what happens. They get the benefit of the doubt, and so I think if you take away from the loss. Your best player gets skunked. You turn the ball over 25 times, you still had a chance to win. But more than that, you got to play in a good atmosphere on the road and face difficult circumstances, and that can only help you as you hit hit conference season. All right, Jeremy, uh, you listen to the Eagle Hour, don't you, on a pretty regular basis? Just about every day. So you know what a big fan of Tom Brady Kelly is. Absolutely. We're going to save some time later in the show. Kelly's very excited because Brady brought his team from behind again, won in overtime, he is one game away from being in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm about as excited about that as uh, sitting on a cold toilet seat. That's about that's about how excited I am <laughs> about another comeback win for you-know-who. We're going to look at the uh, NFL playoffs, who's in, who's out. What We've got five teams in the AFC in, four teams in the NFC in. How are there, seven teams? Is, is it seven or eight teams? I can't remember in each division. They expanded it one team, I think. Yeah, and I'm not sure if it is. Hey, Bob, you know who's uh, you know who's one game behind Tom Brady? Who is that? The New Orleans Saints. Yeah, big one. Now I think we have a four and a half percent chance of making the, the Saints playoffs. are still alive. There's there's still a heartbeat down in the Big Easy. We'll talk to Heath at Big Old Nation. Uh, talk a little bit about 2022 Southern Miss athletics. What were the high moments? The low moments? Jeremy Graves is with us. Mostly high moments, though. You have to say, yes. Kelly and his. Plum shirt that he got. Did you get that for Christmas dinner? I did, as a matter of fact. You like wow. it? Beautiful. From who? <laughs> I do have children, you know. The question is, did you give them a gift? Eagle Hour returns in just a moment. <laughs> mm-hmm.
Southern Miss to the top. All right, welcome back. Super Talk Eagle Hour. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmart at campusbookmart.net. Hopefully, Miss Kathleen can take a little bit of a breath this week, but I guarantee you they'll be open every day. They're on Hardy Street right across from the Southern Miss campus. You can shop them online at campusbookmart.net. On the show tomorrow, Patrick McGee from NOLA.com. We'll talk about uh, what slim chance the Saints may still have for the playoffs. Patrick Irby from Anatomy is scheduled to join us. Thursday, Rick Cleveland, the Dean of Sports Writers, uh, on the Eagle Hour to talk about the big sports stories of 2022. Heath Hinton from Big Old Nation joins us now. I want to talk to him about the big stories in Southern Miss athletics for 2022. Heath, I'd make this observation. You give me your opinion. In any other year, football would be the big story. Seven wins, bowl game, that would be the big story. But baseball overshadowed everything in 2022 with a conference championship, a regional championship, hosting a super regional, finishing the year in the top 20 within the top 20. Baseball, yes, the story of 2022? Oh, absolutely. And going out of Conference USA, waving at them while uh, taking the championship, hosting the championship uh, tournament, and then a regional, super regional, um, running into a bus all with Ole Miss. But what a year for Southern Miss baseball. They continue to make that climb every year. Um, now, you know, with them being so successful in the past few years, I mean, the, the expectations are up there now. People are expecting Southern Miss and and uh, regional every year. They're expecting Southern Miss to uh, contend for conference championships. And this Sunbelt Conference in baseball, as good as Conference USA has been in the past, this con- this uh, baseball conference in the Sunbelt might be better. Yeah. Some other great things in 2022, a cross-country championship by the ladies' cross-country team. The volleyball team had a really good year. Basketball obviously starts out 11-2, and two, but uh, – but Jeremy, you're our guest today. It's just hard to it's just hard to get out of the shadow of what baseball was this year. Yeah, it was an incredible season. I had the opportunity to go see a few games, and yeah, they were uh, just a bunch of great guys, and just love to play the game. And it was a it was a great season, and very memorable. But in the long term, in the long term for Southern Miss, and Heath just touched upon it briefly, the leaving of Conference USA and officially get in getting into the Sun Belt. Just for, to play devil's advocate, I would argue that that's a bigger story. You know, short-term effect, although I think the baseball success is going to turn out to be long-term, you know. But for now, I think the overall, whatever money it took Southern Miss out of the coffers to get out of that conference of Cousin Eddie's (laughs) was worth it now to get into the Sun Belt. All right, Luke Johnson, the biggest story of 2022 was? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's, – Super regional by far. I, I do think there is a, a case to be made, uh, or, or you could approach it this differently, the best individual performance, because you've got a few out there. You've got some of the things that Tanner Hall and, and Waldrop did, but Frank Gore's performance is certainly up there. You look at what Mia Wesley did in volleyball, and, and I think that that's one way to ask the question in a different way, but I think by far – Hosting a super regional, being one of only eight teams in the country to do that, is by far the biggest uh, right. team story uh, right. of the year. So that leads me to this question, Heath Hinton: the best athlete at Southern Miss in twenty twenty two was? Wow! Oh wow! Because there's some great ones with track and field, but nobody broke a record like Frank Gore Jr. did. 
I mean, 329 yards is the most ever uh, in FBS Bowl. I mean, the list is just crazy. Broke the Southern Miss record uh, of 300 uh, was 309 yards, I believe he broke, or 306. 304. 304, yeah. So you're talking about a guy who broke numerous records, three, averaged 15.7 yards per carry. That is ridiculous. 329 yards on 21 carries. Oh, by the way, just throw a cherry on top, goes in there and throws a dime uh, to Mims in the end zone for a touchdown. I mean, is, I don't know if Southern Miss has ever had an athletic performance like that in a game. I'll be honest with you, I don't know if there's ever been an athletic performance like that from right. Southern Miss. Well, Luke, I, I'm going to be the devil's advocate. I'm going to say Tanner Hall, and I'm going to say for this reason. <laughs> He emerged on the scene. He was electric in uh, Jackson uh, against Mississippi State. Earns a weekend starting job. Becomes really the the stud of the pitching staff. And then goes on to perform very well for the national, American national baseball team. I don't see how you could take it away from Tanner Hall. I think there's a case to be made more than just statistics. I think there's a case to be made for both of those guys for this very reason. If you take both of those guys off their respective rosters, how much will each one of those teams suffer? Now, baseball had tons of pitching, but they didn't have but one Tanner Hall. Uh, To argue for Frank for just a minute, you take Frank Gore off this team, not just what he does on the field, but you take him, uh, you know, you take Junior out out of the locker room, I think a lot of the dynamics. I I would say there's a case to be made for both of them to to be, uh, you know, the. The, the best individual on campus right now had, had Luke and, not- and Bob. I would make it. I would make it say Tanner Hall for the year was the best athlete, but the best athletic performance in the game would go to Frank Gore Jr. That's how I would. That's how I would break, uh, stack it. And up. see, I would. I would tilt it toward Frank Gore because if Luke hadn't mentioned it, I was going to mention it. What Frank Gore Jr. has meant to this university off of the field. Uh, with a with a last name like that, you know he's going to be in the spotlight. He has handled it beautifully. He's articulate, uh, knows the right things to say, when to say them. As an ambassador to the university, he has been exemplary. And for that reason, and and that's not to say that Tanner Hall, but I'm just saying, you know, national the football football spotlight in the South is brighter than in any other part of the country. And for Frank Gore to have that last name and to be able to conduct himself the way that he has. I would tilt it uh, toward him. Right, jump in here, Jeremy. We're not going to let you off the spot. No, no, it's all good. I um, I would actually side with Frank Gore Jr. as well, just because, like Kelly just said, the name. And then uh, if you look at it from – Tanner Hall's a stud, and, but that whole pitching staff was phenomenal. And But, yeah, you take Frank Gore Jr. off that team, and, yeah, you're really left with, you know, some good athletes. But, I mean, he made it, he made it, he made it flow. All right, so let's go besides athletes. Here's, here's a name that should be mentioned. You had a pretty good year in his own right, but probably isn't going to get the credit because it's his job, is Jeremy McClain. All right. right. That probably was not – that probably, you know, the money it cost to get out of Conference USA probably didn't sit well with some, right? But to show the vision and leadership of how the long-term investment is going to, is going to be much more important than the short-term cost, that takes, that takes leadership. And just from the time he's been here, I don't think that guy has had a day off, so to speak, whether uh, it's hiring hey. coaches or – you know, conducting the the conference transfer, it's just been a mile a minute for him. I would say he's the best athletic hire the university has made in the last ten years. 
correct? I, I would agree. That, with, I would 100%. agree with that. Yeah. Well. I mean, I'm just kind of partial to Oz, but I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to talk against our athletic director. I'm, I'm saying what I'm getting at is, if again, the Jeremy's leadership is bringing in people like, you know, Oz, uh, Oz and, and people like that, Jenny Hazelwood. So I mean, yes, all the athletic, uh, all the athletic uh, success ultimately goes back to Jeremy. Now there is an argument to be made that Jeremy might be the best former athlete. At the university as well. No question. I mean, he's the second all-time winningest pitcher in Division II baseball history. And we we actually brought that up to him one time on the Eagle Hour. Luke, you'll recall that, I'm sure. And uh, he seemed a little taken back and that, that we knew that and really didn't want to talk about it a lot, did he? Well, the joke was was that uh, Riggins left Delta State um, so he wouldn't break all of Jeremy's records because there was a chance to be made that Hunter wasn't going to do that. But, yeah, I mean, you, you look at what that guy did. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. It goes back to the fact that Jeremy McClain is responsible for the success we're seeing right now. And I think over the past – Jeremy mcclain has been a fireman since he stepped on campus because he's had to put out a lot of flames. And I think – And they're going to build a statue for him just for getting out of Conference USA. We mentioned this kind of in, in passing a couple of weeks ago that really the overall health of the athletic program at Southern Miss, top to bottom, as an outsider looking in, is probably as good as it has been in, in 30 or 40 years from top to bottom. I can't argue with that. And yep. 2023 looks really promising with the basketball team, the way it's playing. Baseball, you figure they they're, they've just reached a point where they reload. They don't really rebuild. And the preseason polls are indicating that. Correct. And uh, preseason ranked 18th in the first poll. And then you got to look way down the line and you figure football is going to even be better than it was this year. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have a lot to talk about this year. Russell Wilson may be transferring from the Broncos to Southern Miss. We don't you? want him. <laughs> have you seen him? We don't want him. We don't want him. <laughs> I heard Brady's going to enter the portal. Are we we at a commercial break? If not, let's please take one. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about the NFL a little bit. You want to hang around with us, Heath, and uh, listen to Kelly bemoan bemoan the success of the Tampa Bay Bucks. And Coach Carson, we're we're efforting basketball coach Isaiah Carson as well as they get ready for uh, Troy on Thursday night. We'll be right back. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. All right, welcome back. 4th Street Bar and Grill sponsors this segment of the program, and we appreciate all that Slade and the guys do for the Eagle Hour and, of course, for Southern Miss Athletics. And it's a great place to uh, unwind a little bit from the holidays, go get a good meal. And Kelly, I'm sure they had a lot of activity down there. And and will so on New Year's Eve. Yeah, they were they were open, actually, uh, Christmas afternoon at 5 o'clock at a nice... Uh, 
nice crowd show up. It was, Christmas was on Sunday. They had to close at midnight, so I had to get out of there at well, 12 o'clock. <laughs> anyway. Instead of spending that with your children. Okay, <laughs> right. Kelly. All right. Uh, let's talk a little NFL football. We like that around here. And uh, Well, I'll start out with you, Jeremy, since you're our guest today. Let's start over in the AFC. Buffalo, Cincinnati, Baltimore, Kansas City, and San Diego all secured playoff spots. Uh, there's uh, still a race for the AFC South between Jacksonville and Tennessee. Tennessee's been really disappointing. Jacksonville's been really surprising. Who do you like to win that? Honestly, I like Jacksonville right now because I don't think um, I think Tannehill's done for the season now. So you got uh, Malik Willis from Liberty. You know right. he's the next man up, which he's talented. But Jacksonville, they seem to really be clicking here the last couple weeks and and jacksonville plays houston miami has the best record of the remaining teams outside of conference winners but i I read last night i think where two is done for the year yeah he's in he's in uh, concussion protocol So you wonder about and that leaves pittsburgh new england and the jets still alive kelly who do you who do you like to get that wild card spot there i like boy never thought i'd say that i like pittsburgh because i hate pittsburgh but i think uh Pittsburgh, the way they're playing right now. Um, and I agree with Jeremy Jackson. Look, it all comes down to quarterback play. Mm-hmm. And look at all these teams that are fading at the end. Their quarterbacks are gone. All right. All right. The teams that are succeeding, Kansas City, Mahomes is healthy. The kid in Buffalo is healthy. Joe Shiesty, they're in Cincinnati. Joe Burrow, he's healthy. So these teams that have quarterbacks are right. are going to be able to do something. All right, Luke, over on the NFC, Philadelphia, Dallas, Minnesota, San Francisco, all with uh, playoff spots wrapped up. NFC South still up for grabs. Tampa and Carolina play this weekend. Tampa would win the lead, would win the division with a win, but Carolina is, is no easy out anymore, are they, Luke? No, it's uh, you know, it's one of those games that if you're a Saints fan, um you hope they tie? Yeah, yeah just please. <laughs> just just do something. Um, yeah, Carolina, I mean, they're not good by any means. You just, you just wonder, though, I mean, again, we saw it this weekend. Does Brady's luck ever run out? I, I just I don't know. I just don't think it can. Let me make one comment about the AFC. I'll come back to the NFC. So I, I am, for the first time in my life, uh, hoping that the New York Jets make the playoffs. Uh, Wilson is to the bench. Mike White is cleared to return to Kelly's point. Quarterbacks, the Jets are in a much better place now. They do play, I think, Seattle and Miami, I think, uh, to right. close out. So uh, they, they've got to try to go 2-0 and there. How about um, can we just – this is terrible because as a Saints fan, I, I wanna, I'm saying I want to miss playoffs. Can we just scrap the NFC South altogether and let the NFC East take well, you you know, wonder, three teams? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Heath, outside of that, you've got – there's two playoff spots left. You've got the Giants, the Seahawks, the Lions, believe that or not, mm. Green Bay, New York, and Washington. Who are the two teams that you see grabbing those final two spots? Oh, wow. I, Green Bay, because of Aaron Rodgers, I think they'll pull through and – Maybe the Lions, too. The Lions are just a weird team. They play well. They just, if they could put, you know, a couple of games together, but I don't know. It's the Packers. I don't like the Rams. The Giants, maybe, with eight and six. I, the NFC is so cluttered. All I know is my fantasy football team's playing for the uh, Super Bowl. 
this weekend. So, out of boy, I'm good so, there. To bring that, I lost by three tenths of a point last night because Michael Pittman dropped a dropped a, a pass. And he, can I just say this way? After watching the Colts, Frank Wright was not the problem with that team. No, he was not. No, they should have fired about 800 people other than him. No, that the ownership, that whole mentality of that that team needs to go and look. Hey, look at what the you know you talked about Denver. Uh, Russell Wilson, they fired their coach. They're going new. I'm going to tell you something. I hope Denver gets Sean Payton, and this is the reason why. I'm a Saints fan. If Denver wants to get Sean Payton, they got to send some picks down to New Orleans who don't have any. So at this point, go ahead and get Sean Payton, send them draft picks down to New Orleans, and then New Orleans needs to lose their next two games so they'll get rid of the current head coach they have. Start from scratch and have some draft. Well, the, I, I like There's Sean Payton. I like Sean Payton to go to Arizona. I well, think that's a perfect fit. For well, him. I don't want Sean Payton to go to Denver, Heath, because Denver doesn't have any draft picks. They sent two first rounders to Seattle, two second rounders, and a fifth rounder to get Russell, Russell Wilson. Oh, that's true. And then the that's Broncos true. are paying him. Get this. Get this. A quarter of a billion dollars. It's not a quarter of a billion dollars to stink it up like that. Well, couple, that's that's kind of why I like that. Peyton and, and uh, I think Peyton, Luke, and then you finish your thought. I think Peyton wants to probably go to a team that has a young quarterback that he can develop. Fair? Sure. Yeah. Come to New Orleans and let's draft one next year. Anyway, <laughs> to, to talk about the Broncos, I looked this up yesterday. So Mike Shanahan coached the Broncos from 1995 to 2008. That's 14 seasons, right? In the same time frame, or actually a little less than the same time frame, 2009 through most of 2022 because they fired Hackett. In that same time that Shanahan coached 14 years, same time frame, Denver has had two or um, two interim coaches and six different head coaches. That's yeah. astounding. In, in just under 14 seasons, they've had eight different coaches. Yeah. It's crazy. And we should note bringing well, up Arizona. they got Arizona, John Elway out of, out of running yeah. that thing, so maybe it'll get better now. Maybe so. But we should mention you just brought up Arizona. J.J. Watt basically uh, hinting today that he's going to retire when the season's yeah. over. Yeah, been a great player. All right, let's go around the table here. We'll start with you, Jeremy. I say the two best football teams in the NFL right now, one from the AFC, one from the NFC. My pick would be the Buffalo Bills in the AFC and the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC. Your your thoughts? I agree. Uh, I, I do like the Bills, even though you know, Josh Allen is you know one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But you know he's been throwing some interceptions here and there. But I think as a whole, they're still they're still one of the teams there for sure. Um, I like San Francisco as well. I think Purdy has done a good job. Iowa yeah. State boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who do you like? I like Cincinnati and Philadelphia. Uh, I, I think I think San Francisco is playing better, but I think Philadelphia is the better team. Hurts, whether he comes back or not, is going to be the big key yeah. as far and as I, the And I think goes. San Francisco is about to get uh, Samuels back too. You know, Cincinnati's already beaten Kansas City this year. That's three straight times they've beaten the Chiefs. They've got the Bills next Monday night. That's going to be a heck of a game in mm-hmm. Cincinnati, which could mm-hmm. potentially be for the number one seed That's in the AFC. All right, he, who you like? AFC, NFC, two best teams. Um. I've always been the type of person, defense wins championships. And these two teams, look, the Bills have a really solid defense, uh, got a good quarterback. And you look at the NFC, I mean, come on, the 49ers. Both teams have allowed under 300 points. I think the Bills are right around 260, and the 
49ers are 230 points this season. Those defenses win championships, and they have enough pieces in place on offense to get it done. I like the Bills and the 49ers in the Super Bowl. How about you, Luke? Uh, I, th- I think the Bills and the Chiefs. Uh, I think the Bills are the only team that can probably beat the Chiefs, uh, unless Jamar Chase you know, just goes wild in We've a game. We've beaten them three straight times, Luke. We've beaten the Chiefs. The Bengals are beating the Chiefs three straight times. Can I finish my statement? Go, go ahead, okay. Alex, sorry. Finish your statement. I'm, I get a little bit lathered up, you know. Yeah. This isn't the playoffs <laughs> yet, okay? This isn't the playoffs yet. I think the Bills are the only team in the playoffs, Kelly, Okay. that can knock Mahomes out. Um, NFC side, how lucky can the Vikings continue to be? Yeah, a 61-yard uh, walk-off field goal. At the same time, you got to wonder, you know, is is it kind of you know their destiny? And and I mean, Justin Jefferson is now the best receiver in the league. I mean, it's what he what he continues to do. Um, I don't. I feel like the Vikings will run out, but I don't think that. I think the Eagles, based off what Jalen Hurts does. So I, so I will agree with you guys and go with the 49ers. And just for kicks and giggles, I'll say the Vikings just because they're 12-3. and three. And, a, and kind of a shout-out to a Mississippi guy. I know they got beat, but Minshew looked pretty good quarterback in the Eagles this weekend. They didn't and, lose and, because of him. No, they didn't. And another reason for the for the Vikings is the best backup quarterback in the league, guys, Nick Mullins. Yeah, correct. Mullins. correct. Well, and, and to what you were talking about with the Eagles, Gardner Minshew, he didn't play bad, but he didn't play great. Either and they still almost beat the Cowboys. Right. So the consensus of opinion is the two best AFC teams are Buffalo and Kansas City. <laughs> yeah. Crack doesn't smoke itself, folks. <laughs> I, t- I don't want to. I don't want to pull for the Chiefs. So so I'll change and I'll say Bengals and Bills. Really I think go. I think He's the Bills now. are completely different from the. the it's not one A and one B. It's more like one and then two. San Francisco and Philadelphia are clearly the best in the NFC, I think. We can all agree on that, right? Agreed. Yeah, again, I think Philadelphia's a better team, but San Francisco's playing uh, better at the moment. All right, Heath, thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, thanks, Bob. You're the best, buddy. Y'all have a good Christmas. Heath, and, uh, you know, happy holidays. All right. There you go. See? What can I say? Time to talk a little basketball, Bob. The best. Yeah, Zay Carson, Southern Miss assistant men's basketball coach, joins us next on the Eagle Hour. The best. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. This final segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by D1 and DBAT Training Facility in Hattiesburg. Just in time for the cooler temperatures. Get your youngsters playing softball and baseball. Get them ready for the upcoming season in a state-of-the-art, meticulously clean indoor facility. Don't have to worry about rain, snow, or cold temperatures at D1 and DBAT Training. We thank them for their support of the Eagle Hour. Joining us now on the program is men's assistant basketball coach Isaiah Carson. The guys just call him Coach Zay to talk about the upcoming uh, homestand uh, beginning with Troy on Thursday night. Coach Carson, as we welcome you on, I want to go back to the UNLV game. The Rebels, the Rebels forced you guys into 25 turnovers, which no, no other team had even come close uh, this season to that number, what were the Rebels able to do to you guys that uh, that we just just couldn't handle as it turned out? 
Well, Kelly, to be uh, quite honest, man, we, the games that we've lost today are the games where we didn't take care of the basketball. And going into the game, we told our guys we needed to be physical, take care of the basketball, because they are a, they're a really good, solid defensive team um, where they're naturally ranked. I think going into the game, they're about top 20 in the country and forced turnovers. So with, with them, they were being physical with us um, in our cuts. As those who have watched the game, we saw, you know, we weren't able to cut freely. Um, they were putting bodies on us and wasn't no easy catches, wasn't letting our guys get into the spots with a good defense is what they should do. So being physical with us early on um, kind of aided to the fact that we forced the ball, uh, turned uh, the ball over uh, 25 times. And, and going into the game, Kelly, just to add to that, we told our guys we needed to win all the physical categories. That's being defensive rebounding, drawing fouls, and taking care of the basketball. That's a part of being physical. Um, and we, for the most part, we did pretty good. Uh, we uh, defeated them on a um, rebounding category where we were plus eight or nine, I believe. Um, and But we didn't take care of the basketball. And anytime somebody turns the ball over 25 times, you don't leave yourself a chance, no matter what we're doing on a defensive end. And it's- and as our own Luke Johnson noted at the beginning of today's program, they totally shut down uh, Felipe Hase. How were they able to do that? They just like I like I just said, they just okay. made the tough the catches tough uh, for Felipe. Um, they weren't really letting him get into his scoring areas. Um, they were there on the catches for him uh, for somebody at his size that can stretch the floor. Uh, they switched a lot of stuff out, so that's what made it tough. So, Luke Johnson, now the games start to count as you head into Sunbelt play this Thursday. They do, Coach. Thanks so much for coming on. Troy, uh, coming up yes, Thursday sir. in Appalachian State. Uh, what, what, are you, what are you looking for to accomplish other than getting two wins? But let's focus on Troy because that's the, that's the next game on the schedule. What are the Trojans going to throw at you guys on the court? Trojans, are, they're a really good, solid defensive team, uh, similar to us in a half court where they just guard. They pressure you. Um, that's something we, we pride ourselves on. Um, so Troy is very similar in that way. We're, you know, we'll see a lot of man-to-man. We know we know they're going to pressure us in a half court. And they're just a really good, solid team. They had a good non-conference t- schedule, similar to us, with some big wins over Florida State early on. And I, they beat Montana, played some go- close games against San Diego. So what I will be a, t- a plan to definitely see from them as a team that's going to come in to be physical. Um, they're going to get out and try to push the ball in transition. Um, that's what they like to do. Um, so we need yeah. to, in defensive transition, make sure we're in position, we're sprinting back with urgency, um, and just be ready to guard in half court. Last question for me. How, how do you get the team to respond? I mean, this team's only tasted defeat twice. And how do you get them to respond back? And what's kind of been their response since last Thursday? Well, since last Thursday, just going into it, fellas, we knew our not, and I think I said this the last time I was on with you guys, we had a really good non-conference schedule, and we know what our end goals are. We have big goals, big aspirations of where this team is going. And as the first part of it, we broke it down in three parts. first part was the non-con, and then you got your first uh, your conference games, and then you have postseason um, from there. So we knew going into it our non-conference schedule has prepared us going into conference starting with Thursday and our response is the fact that those two losses along with 
our 11 wins has prepared us for what we our ultimate goal is to win win conference, and that's what we preach every day. So that that chapter is closed. Uh, now those games prepared us, like I said, for for conference play, which starts Thursday against Troy. So our response is just continue to keep in mind what the goal is. And at the forefront. So we didn't, we, the guys are not down. They didn't get down. Um, it was a tough loss. Don't get me wrong. It was a, a, a game that we feel as though we, we should have won and we, we could have won, um, but we're not beating ourselves up about it. Uh, that game, and I think I was sharing this with someone I was talking to, and those losses and all our non-carvers has prepared us. We needed those type of games. Not the losses, but we needed those type of tough games to prepare us for postseason. Because those are the type of opponents that we're going to see when, we, when we're talking about having a uh, March Madness conversation. All right, Coach, we sure appreciate you being on the Eagle Hour. We look forward to uh, seeing the game Thursday night, 7 o'clock, Reed Green Coliseum. Thanks, Coach. To the top. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. All right, that wraps up the show for today. Tomorrow, Patrick McGee, Patrick Irby. We've got all kinds of good stuff coming up the rest of the week. Hope you can join us every day as we wrap up 2022 on the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Until next time, Southern Miss to, to the, the top. top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.